Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't... What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bop halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? I'm gonna get you the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money, money. Yummy yeah. for me Bottle key, popping that water bath Jackie yeah. It's a party, it's a party, it's a party Welcome into 11 Personnel Nick Roush and Adam Luckett Here to talk some ball with you In the penultimate Week of the 2021 college football season Penultimate is a wonderful Word, Adam Luckett, that we don't get to use Enough and I'm happy to this week because the penultimate week in college football means that Kentucky is going to kick the hell out of some no-name team. And that no-name team goes by New Mexico State. Before we get into the fighting Aggies from Las Cruces, you want to talk about a Mill Wagner first or the Vanderbilt game? <sighs> Let's just talk recruiting. Let's just get that out of the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that because – it's uh, kind of an uncomfortable conversation, if you will. So we'll do the kind of ugly. We can get maybe the ugly second half of Vanderbilt. Because I'm not – I know some folks are a little upset. I have takes Vanderbilt on the Vanderbilt. I have some takes for some people. Uh, the, the first take that I have, though, is for you, Adam Luckett. I got to commend you. You were at a wedding, and you were sending me texts as though – you were sitting next to me in the press box. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there was much dancing getting done over on uh, Watkinson. I multitasked a little bit, but <laughs> I just—I'm a crazy person, Nick. I just—I can't—I can't get away. I just, no matter what I'm doing, it—it's it, like the um, the soprano soprano's line, like where he got from the Godfather. It's like just when I thought I was out. They pulled me back in. And it's just <laughs> I can't I can't do it. I don't know why. It just something just got a, a bug inside me I can't get rid of. Oh love the like just getting the random. Well, door doesn't feel like tack on the day. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah. The, the, um yeah. <laughs> but anyway, let's get to Wagner here. Um yep. we're we're pumping out a few kind of like month out national signing day stuff this week uh-huh. on the site. 
first one rolling out Wednesday afternoon. Then we'll have some stuff, or Tuesday afternoon, excuse me. Uh, then we'll have some stuff. And I've kind of I've kind of wrote about just where the offense stands from a recruiting standpoint. And they've really checked all of the boxes when you start digging into personnel, filling needs. They obviously missed on Gavin Wimsett, but even taking that into consideration, everything else was knocked out of the park. Like, you're getting Destin Wade, you're going to let him play quarterback, but that kid's going to be a bona fide player somewhere on your offense, whether I think it's probably going to be kind of a flex tight end. So that's a player. You don't really need running backs. You look at the where you at right chart. now. Yeah. 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 You got Lavelle you got, right. You got on, zero yeah. seniors on the team. Chris Rodriguez is a draft decision, mm-hmm. um, but you got some young guys. You got some balance, class balance there. Receiver, you had to hit on and you had to hit on it well. Mm-hmm. Dane Key was the most important player, I think, in this class. You hit Dane Key. Mm-hmm. You get Travion Longmire, four star. You get Jordan Anthony from Mississippi. And then you're in the running for Barry and Brown, the top 50 prospect. You couldn't on top of what you did last year in the receiver, Chris Lewis, John C. Magwood. Can't do much better than that. Like, it's gonna, that's going to be a position of strength for the team here in, like, two years. Tight end. Like, they're becoming tight end you. Um, Josh Caddis is a guy I'm really high on, um, even though he's one of the lower-ranked guys in the class. You look at where they fit in, Isaiah Cummings, Jordan Dingle, joining Upshaw and, and Brendan Bates next year. I mean, that's they're stacked at tight end. Offensive guard, they're they're pretty good. Like you're gonna lose some guys, but you and Graham Bingham, who was one of your top top targets. Mm-hmm. Jagger Burton's gonna be ready to play next year. You could return Quentin Wilson, plus your starters, Horsey, yeah. Eli Cox. Like you're great at guard, and you got to figure out center, but you can figure that out. And then tackle, you were looking gr- like you were looking great. Right. You had Keontae Gowen, five star. This is the guy, the top target in our class, but you had built in insurance with him with Emil Wagner, because that was always, if you lost on Keontae, it was like, man, that sucks, but we got Emil Wagner. We're right. still in great shape at tackle. You lose Emil Wagner in Notre Dame, you lose your insurance, and if you could, you know, who knows what's going to, it's going to be, I know people are like talking about Keontae's recruitment, but it's really just, it's Alabama, Kentucky. Like, I don't care about the Florida State, not worried I, about the Michigan State. I actually kind of like A&M. that he's visiting random schools, because you know, it's going like, to come down to December where he goes. Does he go to Alabama again or does he go to Kentucky again for a visit? Whoever wins out there yeah. is going to win the recruitment. I mean, that's what's that's that's going like to be Florida the Florida State. Story. I mean, you know, that's a far in the wind. I mean, yeah. you know, good for him. He got to go watch a fun game, but that doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of meat and potatoes there, right? For Kentucky, you just name image likeness here. How big of a package could they put together for him mm-hmm. to come in, be a potential starter as a true freshman? potential impact player at Kentucky, you know, play a bunch of games before he goes to the NFL, you know, but a lot of it's going to be, does they, do they get him one more time on campus? I think that's what that's going to come down to. So now you're looking at a situation where it's like, man, you had like, they're still going to have a really good class regardless, but it's man, you know, that was a big opportunity that kind of slipped through your fingers, not getting a Mill Wagner. And that's even like Nicholas Hall, I think is a good looking prospect, but you know, tackles all the, you, you know, you could lose Rosenthal and Kennard off this team. And then you look at the tackle depth chart. It's not, there's not a lot of great options there. Yeah. Flax hasn't looked good and limited action there. And Sierra Watkins, he's probably done um, after getting some quality early playing time. So, yeah, it's, and, and the thing was too, like it, it, it was such, you talked about it being almost like insurance and, 
that was a good way to put it because it felt like it was the lock of all locks. You know, it's one thing to be recruiting Keontae since he was in seventh grade, but hell, Vince has known Emil Wayne even longer because he was recruiting his brother Ahmad when Ahmad was in high school. You they know, recruited Wayne High School for a long time. Now, none of the players have come down here and really kind of turned into anything, but got Tobias Gilliam out of there, Jalen Bannerman, not Jalen Bannerman, excuse me, Roland Walder. And then one or one or two more. They tried to get now that Blue Smith. Um, they recruited him yeah, hard Smith. out of there. Um, I don't know if he mm-hmm. ever ended up doing anything. So it's a it's a it's a high school that they seem to have a pretty good relationship with. Thought you had the kind of the you know the the trump card with a mill and coaching a mill, a mill being on your staff or a mod on your staff. Yeah, yeah, a mod. Excuse me. Yeah. And then you get the last visit from him. I mean, he was there four, four days, days before, before his <laughs> for the Tennessee game. Yeah, that's. Just, I mean, that's recruit. I mean, you would think if you have a family tie like that, he would at least give you kind of a a buffer if he wasn't going to come there, it, or a heads kinda. up. Like right. that was what was also crazy about it is, I mean, we were even being. He didn't. I don't think he told anybody beforehand, but like Penn State. People, they were like, well, it's not us. It's got to be Kentucky. So, I, I, I don't – I it was a complete blindside. <laughs> um, no one knew. Survivor I mean, term. Yeah. I think the recruiting guys, like in-depth guys, probably found out like an hour before it happened or 30 minutes before it happened. Yeah. Um, it sounded like he like made his decision that morning. And told him where he was going. His yeah. family was going. That's what that sounded like. Yeah, it was just – I mean, it's – it's uh, and there's no shame really in losing a recruiting battle to Notre Dame for offensive linemen. Like, if you go and look at their roster, it's just four and five stars, top 150 recruits over and over again, and all, all kinds of guys playing in the NFL along the offensive line from Notre Dame. Like, it is the – like, we talk about the big blue law, but that – like, Notre Dame might be the best O-line school in the country when it comes to pumping out talent. You Joe the- Moore, who the award's named after, coached at Notre Dame. Like, that's kind of what they do there yeah uh just in recent years quentin nelson who he said he models his game after you've got conklin that's out at san francisco like they've they've done well they've done well it's not just a, a fart in the wind but man it just felt like you were right there you had the the pitch hey we can have the best offensive line class in america come on down here and now you're looking at a situation where the Kentucky's still getting guys from Ohio, but they they still have never really gotten the big guys from Ohio. Well, that that, that is twofold because Ron Day's just made recruiting Ohio more important than Urban did. So Ohio State is gobbling up more guys than they usually did. But there's other schools getting in there. Minnesota's getting in there, winning some. Indiana got a four-star running back out of Cincinnati this year. There's some get, more programs getting in there that Kentucky – you know, whether they're going head-to-head against these guys or not, they're just not – seems like they're not making as big a splash. But also, you know, they're recruiting other areas too. Like Kentucky become more important. Summerall's getting down to Alabama, Mississippi, South Georgia. Um, but there's no hiding from that. Ohio hasn't been what it was at the first part yeah. of the Stoops era. Yeah. It, you know, you just the top, if you just do top 200 recruits, they haven't gotten one. From Ohio since Lynn Bolden. Mill Wagner would have snapped that streak. Mm-hmm. Is Bolden the only one now? Top 200. 
recruit. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, I have to dig into some of the earlier classes, but. Yeah, and, you know, the numbers get a little hairy the farther you go back. But nevertheless, it was uh, it was tough, man. It was a surprise. And then you had that backed up with, I think, Wilt Fong dropped that Keontae was going to Florida State like an hour after that news happened. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, mm-hmm. What's going on here? Um, now, it's not over until the fat lady sings. Uh, and then, you know, within an hour, they're offering some other offensive tackles. You know, they Mike – the, the Steelers offensive line coach's kid, which, you know, I don't, I don't know. And I don't even know if you want to take a swing in, a, you know, on any of those guys at that point either. Like, don't you just, yeah, go to you got to be careful getting in that situation. Cause then you, you get stuck, you get with, stuck with a scholarship. You yeah. don't really want. So you have to be careful there. Yeah. But a lot so, of it depends on how, what kind, like how comfortable are you and David Wallaball to play tackle right now? Like that's probably a conversation they need to have. DeAndre Buford, where is he at? Can he play mm-hmm. next year, potentially start for us? Stuff like that. You just have to be. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of on the offensive side of the ball, it's going from, man, this is – they're really hitting everything they need to, and then now it's – you're hitting everything, but tackle is just like a huge crater that you have to deal with. If you if you, That's only if you lose good one. If you don't lose good one, it's fine. But that's – You're holding on for dear life. Right. Yeah, right. Like I yeah. said, you just got to – Survive through this the rest of the season, and you just you have to get him on campus in December. You just have to. If they don't, they're not going to get him. If they do, they're going to have a good, really good chance to get him. But if you you don't get him on campus in December, it's not going to happen. Yeah, the going to every home game kind of loses its, its effect at that point. Which, um, you know, he's not going to be there this Saturday, so they're missing out on one going out of Texas A and M to see Jimbo, who. Uh, it was pretty emphatic that he's not going anywhere uh, because of the class he's recruiting. They're recruiting. This is kind of, I think, the A&M pipe dream that they've been hoping for. The class he's putting together is – He's improved their average star rating every year since he's been there. Every recruiting class has gone up. Dude, it's only a matter of time before they break through. He it's sounds like such a damn recruiter too, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, you know, it, it, gosh, he just cracks me up. It cracks me up. Um, and before we get off of recruiting, though, the the miss was quickly followed by a hit where the Cats got a commitment from Elijah Reed, the cornerback from PRP. That is, uh, I, I like his story a lot, look it, because he's one of the few kids that reclassified and it worked. And it kind of worked because of a multitude of circumstances. You know, he was playing receiver, 6'3 kid playing receiver, wasn't catching a ton of passes. And he goes, Hey, you know, you have the skills to be de- like you have what they want from a defensive back. Why don't you just try playing corner moves over to corner, puts enough on tape where Kentucky's like, let's go, let's do this. And even though he is a year older, he's a fifth year COVID year guy. Um, it's, it's almost like uh, how in the NBA draft, they don't value the older guys as much as the young guys. That isn't the same when this kid is new to the position. Now, you might want to get a guy – like you're you're going to have to get some guys who can help you more so right away next year as well, so you're probably going to have to hit the portal uh, at some point. But he does check a lot of the boxes that they liked in guys early on in the Mark Stoops era. Physical, long, lengthy cornerbacks, and and that's exactly what Reed does at six foot three. Yeah, and I, I need to look up the measurables on DeCarlos Nicholson. He's, He's I think, 6'2". 
ledge. Yeah. So, so it seems you know. like the blueprints changing there a little bit. You know, you go back and look at some of these recent recruits, Clink Skillhead at corner. Huey, little guy. Yeah, Maxwell Hairston, who we don't know what's going on there. Yeah, he's for all intents and purposes gone. And then 2020, who do they have? I don't think they had Andrew Phillips. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just yeah, I I think the the model um is fitting him. I'm not against taking one from a Louisville place. I'm getting in there and taking a guy. Um, especially who has traits like him. You know, they, right, right. they can help build it at home and you don't know if PRP is gonna have or, you know, aspirations again where he works out. Yeah. It could help you down the road, and obviously it can't hurt you with Keontae. Hell, Brandon Dunn and Taewon Taylor, they played in the NFL for a long time and went to UofL yeah. in Western Kentucky. Yeah, for him, like you said, it's just he's a project a little bit. You know, we're he's going get to in, get into it, and we're probably not going to hear from him for two years. So Yeah, yeah. And he's also, too, I think that the transfer rule, the kind of accept, the other exception they have where you can take on more transfers and give them scholarships this year is significant. If it's a normal year, I don't know if they take flyers on, you know, kind of like your projects, so to speak, like your Eli Coxes that are turning out to be really quality football players for you. That's the one thing about the transfer portal is you're going to get a lot of 18, 19 player classes and then the other five or six are portal guys. You don't have to do that this year, which is significant. And I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. I'm not sure – they do have some barriers on when you get to use those. So, like, I think to get seven additional transfer portal guys, your guys have to depart and go into the portal after a certain time period. And whenever that is, I think Stoops is asked, like, hey, guys, can you all just wait till this point? You know, we aren't going to – this is the only thing we're asking. Like, wish you the best um, on your way, but just wait till this date so we can make sure we can – Hit our kind of quota thing because there's going to be some guys that Jaquez Jones cough cough Jaquez Jones got to make room for him next year. Yeah, yeah. Which don't read too much into that market. <laughs> don't do not read into it. But he was not on the senior day ceremony list, and I think there's a couple guys on there that could you know they could they could want to come back. You know, does Square want to play a fifth year football? He's he's a four year guy. Jordan Wright missed a lot of snaps this year. So so did Bully. You know, like they just guys now, were very injured this year. You know, I will say this about Bully. Um, Bruce Feldman just wrote a piece where he kind of embedded with Jim Nagy and the Senior Bowl crew. Yeah, and watched they went through all the players on their board and watched tape, and he wrote about them. And one of the guys he pulled up and wrote about was McCall. And this was why he was out. They were saying, you know, we want to, we're really going to watch him these last three games while he's out um, because he's, you know, he's probably a fourth or fifth round pick because of what he brings and kind of mm-hmm. his twitchiness. So me reading that is McCall, as long as McCall is not bad these last few games, it sounds like he's probably going to be gone. Gotcha. Um, so I wouldn't, he's one, I thought that originally, but with now seeing that, some, some scouts takes. Um, I think he's probably going to be gone. He's going to go to that senior bowl, and you're going to see him go off the board fourth, fifth round. Kind of uh, fourth round with Bohannon. Bohannon was fifth round, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, they actually, if you read the article, they don't say Bohannon's name, but they say, like, that McCall has a higher ceiling than him, than a guy that was drafted high last year or late last year in the mm-hmm. round, which was Quentin Bohannon because he played in front of him. Right, right, right. So you could – I think he went to six, I think, 
because they had that run of players in the sixth round. I think you could see McCall go fourth or fifth. Man, uh, just as we're getting into senior day stuff, um, kind of looking ahead because he'll be involved in that. There's 22 guys going through ceremonies, uh, three seniors that are super seniors that did it last year, and they're like, we're not, we're not going to do this again. Um, one of those is Luke Fortner, and it's just so shocking to me. Fortner's first game was that Southern Miss game. That feels like an eternity ago, but yet he was there. For the beginning, the lowest of lows, the highest of highs. There's there's quite a few of these dudes where you're just like, you can't believe that. Wow, there's still – like, Fortner was here for the Lamar game. Lamar's already come and gone, and they already – They were in Benny Snell's recruiting class. That's crazy. He was in Benny Snell's recruiting class. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, I love, too, right now that um, Kenny Pickett committed to Temple when Matt Rule was the head coach. Uh, he was recruited by Josh Heupel at Missouri and North Carolina by Larry Fedora. So, like, <laughs> there's Kenny some guys Pick- out there that have been there for a while. Kenny Pickett is a case study I want to get into in the offseason because, you know, his offensive coordinator was Liam Cohen's head coach at UMass. That offensive coordinator oh. got Scott Woodward his start in coaching. Huh. Kenny Pickett, older guy. In his second, uh, third year with Whipple, I believe, just now he's taken off. And now, like, we could potentially see that with Levis. Like, that's – I'm going to go back and break down his numbers, like, the year first by year. years. And then, yeah, yeah, because I think that could, that could be a blast off we see with Levis next year. So, that's going to be one of my offseason projects. But, yeah, that he's been a guy I've been watching closely because they've just – you know, the offenses, I would assume, have some similarities – I mean, he's really taken off this year. Um, I'm going to just warn our listeners, too. This, the conversations are going to be a little bit more disjointed in a lot of like, oh, you said something. I'm running with it. And the thing you brought up kind of about development down the road. So this is this is going to be kind of off the walls. Um, you know, just prepare for it. It's New Mexico State. We're sandwiched in between New Mexico State and Vanderbilt for crying out loud. All right. We're, we're not going to be having some sort of long-winded Tennessee discussion like we did a week ago. But you brought up just the development over the years. And uh, we, it does go back to Fortner because Fortner was on my radio show this morning, Kentucky Roll Call. If you don't listen to it, you should do it. Luckett shares all of his bad picks there. You're what, eight, five, and 25, something. Man, really bad picks on there, Luckett. Uh, yeah, but I'm a hot eight and 25. There you go, a hot eight and 25. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you start 0 oh, and 16, you know, you can, there's only one way to go. And that's up. Um, mm-hmm. But, because Stoops on his call-in show had a pretty decent response when asked about, you know, how come there's not so much wide zone? And he said, you know, some of it's the teams we play. They put a lot of stress on you. Some of it's recruiting. And in Fortner, the way that he described it is he's like, you know, we spent five years doing the same offense. And this spring, it was all about, like, we, we were just trying to learn the plays, you know. So we figured out wide zone against essentially the the basics, but you aren't seeing the basics out there every single time. And I think wide zone in particular, where it's really boom or bust, if you try to do that a lot and you're getting gashed, like you're just screwed. There's <laughs> gonna know? be yeah, there's gonna be more t- tackles for loss and runs for no gain or one game because of that. But it's also gonna create creases too, where you can create more chunk plays. So yeah. And, and, it could be more. It's going to be more glitchy when you when you're not 
really good at it. And 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 part of that is, is like you, we just don't have the reps. Like there's guys that it took a long time just to learn the basics that you know we just kind of fell back in the inside zone, you know, and the personnel fit. Uh, you know, Chris Rodriguez is still getting about two and a half yards before he's getting touched, and then he's getting you know four yards after contact. Like that, those are his averages right now. It's it's, yeah. it's still a good rushing attack. It just hasn't been what we've expected, and I think that's kind of the the next steps for this offense. Kind of like seeing Levis connect with Wandale in the double move. Like those were next steps that we wanted to see uh, this year. We didn't reach all of the, like not all of the boxes were checked. But a lot of them have been. So I think if you do look at the offense from, you know, 10,000 feet up, and I guess in particular into that Vanderbilt game, you really got to like what you've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, right now to this point in the year, it's all about growth from the quarterback to me. Like you kind of know who you are at this point. Let's see Levis stack some games together, building for next year. Because I think he's had moments, but then he's had he's had some like two steps forward, step back. Yeah, yeah. Kind of things. And it really has been two games at a time and then one back. Yeah. <laughs> it lives up to that saying all two. So, for him, it's can he put three, four games together here at the end of the season? And then you can really – because the whole thing's going to be built around – like you're building the whole thing around him next year. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have what you want to do and whatnot, but you're going to probably throw the ball for the most you have since Andre Woodson has been here next year. And so, like, it's – you need him to be good, and you've seen some signs. Like, I think he played really good against Tennessee, and I think he played really good against Vanderbilt, all things considered. And so yeah. those those were good to see. Um, and I want to see him keep it rolling moving forward. And that's yeah. really what the season – like, have a good game against New Mexico State, play good against Louisville, and then let's see who the ball opponent is and set expectations from there. Yeah, yeah, it, it – the Vanderbilt game, the offense in the first half was fun. I mean, 16 plays, 28 points. One of those is a defensive touchdown, but still to touchdown, have 12 touchdown, yards touchdown, play, field goal. Yeah. First four possessions. And and you didn't have an incompletion until you got down to the eight yard line and you start throwing fades into the end zone, you know, to five foot nine guys. Yeah. Um, but like I said, like at that point in the game. You know, you didn't want to hammer away with Rodriguez. I didn't mind it. Like, give – like, that game can be a lot of practice situations. When you're in a blowout game like that, you can – all right, let's work on our red zone Other passing stuff. game. Yeah, yeah. And so, I didn't didn't necessarily mind that. Like, man, it was 31-3, to three, you know, end of the second quarter. They've got the ball. Levis takes a sack when you cannot take a sack. Like, you cannot take a sack there on first and 10 and two-minute drill. You know, Snoops plays it conservative. They throw the Hail Mary. I just – I don't – I mean, I don't know, like – like, why do – like, I know people got mad, but, like, what's the point of, like, all right, let's really stick it to them here and go up 38-3 to before halftime. You're getting the ball back to start the half. I just – Yeah. That's – that sack, it it was all Snoops needed to see. Like, like, my thing is, like, you're up 31-3. to And I tweeted this after the game, like, Mark Stoops is not in this game to beat people by 50 points. No, no. So, if you if that's what you want, like, you're just going like, to be upset a lot. You yeah. just are. <laughs> I mean, you just, need to, you just yeah. need to accept that, right? Like, you just, you're just going to be, you know, it's like a guy who drives, you know, this guy doesn't go over 55 miles an hour. So, if you ride with him, you're not, you're not getting there any faster. So, 
Like <laughs> this is just the this is what he is. So and then overall, Nick, like there was they had nine possessions, man, and two of them were in the halves. They scored on five of their seven possessions. Yeah, and then the I one think if you had out of half, they had two weird penalties. Yeah, those so like they really had one bad possession in that game. It was that when they got the ball, the own their own thirteen. They're in the third. Uh, let's see here. They're in the the beginning, like mid third fourth quarter. That was the only bad possession they had all night to me because they, they played it smart at the end of the half, and then they ran out the clock at the end of the game, and then they went fourteen plays, sixty one yards, kicked the field goal. But like they're they're. They're milking clock. Like they had two possessions over five minutes long, and Vanny had three possessions over five minutes long. Yeah. That so, second half flew by. So flew really by. the defense couldn't and Clark Lee's like, you know, Vanny wants to play that close. Like they are very much in moral victory standpoint of their rebuild. Let's keep it close, make a couple plays, um, get out of here somewhat healthy, and then like build on it. During the broadcast, when I went back and watched. Mike Gold Jr. was talking about how Clark Lee's had to, you know, I've had to take and like we have to take the small victories and really celebrate them because we're taking our lumps in games. So it's like if you have two good practices in a row, great job, like really good job. If you, you know, hold a team to 34 points, that's a win. So I just, man, like you, you play a limited possession game, you don't force turnovers. You know, I just, you're not, that's just what you're going to kind of be. I just, you know, and Mark Stoops is not in the, all gas, no breaks neighborhood. So, yeah. And you're not going to have a it, lot of 50 to seven wins unless you're like just, you know, you're forcing three or four turnovers. And another thing, Nick, no 40 yard play since the Florida game. Like they're not getting cheap scores. Every score they're getting, they're having to work for a little bit. Um, they're not getting, oh, here, here comes a 70 yard, you know, run play. Here comes a 70 yard pass play. Um, or even here comes a 51. They're just not, you know, they're getting explosive, but they're not getting. Oh, you're, so. you're being uh, you're splitting hairs here too, though, because Wandale's catch was 39 yards. You son of a gun. Um. <laughs> okay, well, we have one one play of thirty one play of 35 plus yards since the Florida game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I will say that I think there is something to Stoops having some sympathy for people in a rebuild, and when you think about the coaches that he hates the most. It's the guys that run up the score. It's the James Franklins of the world. It's the Bobby Petrinos of the world. Because a lot of that, I mean, hell, even Hypo's like that, where he's going to beat the hell out of really bad teams, you know? Like, there's... Yeah, I get the sense that Stoops didn't really like Hypo. Because they yeah. do have a working relationship, and he wouldn't say anything. Well, and there's also this there. Um, there's a big... Like, Hypo has a big... for. Um, disdain for his brother now because bob fired him in oklahoma hmm so there was there's that there too interesting but either way because oklahoma had a reunion for that national championship team and hypo didn't come are you serious yeah and hypo hasn't been back since he doesn't talk to anybody in oklahoma i read something on that over the Hmm. summer interesting so that's probably plays into it it as well yeah but um i do think that in if you have watched Mark Stoops coach a Kentucky football team for the last eight year, eight and three quarters years, and you think that he's in the business of covering big numbers, that you've been watching the wrong team. I just don't I don't know what else to tell you. Like I'm sure that was the source of a lot of disgruntlement. I'm sure some of it is leftover ill will from the Tennessee game because you're just fat, you know, you're just you're gonna be angry about it. And that was why we talked about it being 
the, the, the Duke basketball game being significant is it would give Kentucky fans something to feel good because you weren't playing anybody in, on the basketball team until December 11th, and you aren't going to get a football win over anybody that matters until you play an average Louisville team on the road on Thanksgiving weekend. It was going to be a long time. You, you had the great start, but then there's naturally this – like the wind up, kind of, I mean, I don't know what else. You're up 31 to three. You went to halftime and yeah, your game was over. Kinda, you the game was in. over. I, I, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't have the energy to get fired up over stuff like that. And That's they scored good. a touchdown on two fourth downs. Oh, One man. Carrington Valentine didn't get his hand. He kind of loses the guy in zone coverage. And then the other one, um, they go to like a zero blitz. They man up and the guy just, you know, big body receiver beats Carrington inside on slant for a touchdown. You know, if you make one of those plays, you feel a lot different about the game. That that first one too, like it, I thought it was gonna get the ball was gonna get knocked down like three times. There was dudes just like so close McGann- to getting Katie it. Katie so McDaniel, many times. who I thought played well, almost got his paw on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I just I don't. The pass defense is still like a worry. <laughs> to yeah, put it lightly. Yeah. Um, but the pass rush is really coming on. I think Nick, they're back. They're back in the top thirty in sack rate nationally. So like. We talked about getting sacks all season. That's really kind of cured under the radar last yeah. month. Yeah, they've been yeah. really good about you know getting pressure, and they're not they're you know they're sending some blitzes, but not a lot. But uh, the pass de- defense is a big big concern. Um, so we'll see how that works out over the next two weeks. But their run defense is fine. It's going to get better with McCall in there. And then offensively, I think they're doing some good things. It's just the pass defense is that big bugaboo, and they're just not forcing turnovers. They haven't forced multiple turnovers in a game this season. That's crazy. Kentucky's won the turnover margin in one game this season, plus one against LSU. I mean, it's remarkable, Luckett, that we talked about that pendulum swinging. They went from, I think it was second to only Arkansas in the Led country. Led the SEC in takeaways last year. So they did lead it in takeaways last year. It was, yeah, I think they were like second. They were second interceptions. It, it was tied for six nationally, which means that like one team had, you know, uh, basically tops in the country for all intents and purposes, maybe one less, give or take. And then all the way to last the following year in takeaways. It's just remarkable. But shout out to Jalen Geiger uh, getting his first career start, making the most out of it. Um, I thought the play actually made before the interception might have been more impressive even though the running back might have got yeah. a little bit more and, and, and got past it. It was good to see just somebody attacking gaps like that, attacking the hole like that. Um, mm-hmm. And back to the turnover, like you see some of these teams around them, Nick. Um, Kentucky's minus 12. Arizona is minus 14. They're one of the worst teams in the Power Five. Southern Miss has won one game, minus 11. Florida International can't afford pads, and it's minus 11. <laughs> San Jose State's not having a great year, minus 11. Indiana, we know how year they're having, minus 10. Stanford's really bad, minus 9. There's not a lot of great – there's not great company around where they're at. Florida, minus 8, you know, with the kind of year they're having. So, that the fact that they've been able to win games with all this going on is really – Remarkable. Yeah. Remarkable. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to be it, honest. It, it, like the, it, it's impressive. And so, like, that's why I'm going in every game, like, if you just split, just split turnovers, that's a win to me because you're just not forcing takeaways. So, just – you can split turnovers, you know, take it to the bank. And, you know, you split it against Fanny, but you got the pick six, so you obviously won that battle. But 
yeah, man, it's just been the craziest thing that they can't get turnovers. It's wild. And then Vanderbilt, I think they fumbled three times and like two or three times in the game didn't recover one of them. So, I mean, it's just they're not getting the fumble luck and they're not getting the ball production in the passes. So, like, it's just maybe it, hopefully they'll, you know, hopefully it all cure itself in the Louisville game. They'll get four or five of them. <laughs> Malik Cunningham just we'll all be laughing on fumbling the ball. Oh, man. That'll be a lot of fun. Almost as fun as this commercial break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. One thing, Luckett, about the final two opponents, you got New Mexico State and Vanderbilt. Or, no, they did play Vanderbilt. Louisville. <laughs> Gosh. At least New Mexico State's going to throw it around enough to challenge the, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with these guys kind of getting put through the ringer a little bit at this point. Because you might as well get battle tested instead of getting some false confidence. You know, I, I, I still don't get the sense that Drew Phillips, they're ready to throw him in there yet. But at this point, you know, why the hell not? So I, I, I'm curious, like at New Mexico I think State that should tell you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he missed a lot of practice, but that should, you know, they're not sabotaging themselves over there. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, they're, they're at least going to be tested a lot. And I, I do love that New Mexico State, there is some sweet irony that Luke Fortner's senior day uh, is is going to be, and I should say Luke Fortner, Josh Ali, and Justin Rick, they're seeing, they're, no, I guess it would be just Rig, who's the only other one that was in Devontae the Robinson. Robinson was as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are the big three super seniors that were in that class on that team for that game in New Mexico state, that was the game that got this whole thing rolling. Right. You know? Well, they Base. are, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote it down. I can find it right quick. The record. I don't know if you got the full. I, I had it pulled. It was 44 and 29 since then. Yeah, since 2016, but they were one and two entering that New Mexico state. Yeah. Game. So, so take away three and 27. Yeah. Yeah. And then 25 and 24 in sec play since that game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, and, 
the fact that it was a New Mexico, just New Mexico State, it's such a random team. But you put Benny Snell in there, he gets four touchdowns. He had a buck 20 in that game. Steven Johnson comes in for Drew Barker. I think Barker just threw two passes and was like, nope, back's not working. Johnson comes in, throws three tutties. You got Boom Williams making big Boom Williams plays. And that's where the seeds were planted to develop this identity that Kentucky has formed in the trenches. That was the year that Kentucky was rotating. They played nine guys on the offensive line. They were rotating a ton of yeah. guys. And that was – um, I believe that was DJ Elliott's last game as coordinator. I think Stoops took over play calling, defensive coordinator play calling after that game. Yeah, they, I mean, they gave up 42 points in Mexico State. Yeah, I'm pretty but. sure after that game, they Elliott got demoted. And I think most importantly, we got to know what – kind of football Mark Stoops was going to play at Kentucky. He had the guys that he could run the football. He could play good enough defense, bend on break, and then having just enough explosive plays with Jeff Bidette and Juice Williams at wide receivers to keep teams honest. So you could keep running the ball. Um, you know, like they won four out of five. Uh, and I think the one loss in that stretch was Alabama. And that's when Jonathan Allen was saying that that was the most physical team he played. And as <laughs> – as that's Luke that's said, been the best offense of the Stoops era probably until this season. Yeah. Was that it, 2016 group? Luke said, you know, like, if, if you want to show just how far the program's gone, first game lost to Southern Miss, and now we're pissed off that we aren't 11-1, and one, and we're going to hopefully end 9-3. and three. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where they're at. I, I don't – I don't – sit. It's it's just the the kind of bookending storytelling kind of aspect of this because you still have that physical identity in the trenches where you're running the football, but you are almost getting back to that 2016 ways where you do have some consistent quarterback play that there's some running out there available as well as some explosiveness where you've got at least a deep threat or two to be able to extend the ball vertically. So it feels like Kentucky is getting to where they want to be. Like, this is a good wheelhouse where, I mean, let's face it, eight and four is the floor now, right? I mean, that can kind of give or take. I said it before the season. Any year, UK, you go eight and four, four and four in the SEC. It's a really good season, you know. One of those losses is probably coming to the the war daddy in your division. Another loss is probably coming to at least one West opponent. And then you're losing two more games maybe inside your division. Um, but odds are you're beating teams you really want to beat that every year because that includes a Louisville win, you know, most times or sometimes it's going to include a Tennessee win. Or a Florida win, you know, or a Florida win. Those. So, yeah. like, it's a, that's always a good season. But, like, this is the great part of the sport is you get in it, you start getting in the weekly grind, and then opportunities start yes. popping up. It happens every year, you know. Uh-huh. It's a lot of surviving advance. You get through portions of your – like Oklahoma State, Nick, if you go back, they were bad the first five games of the year. Yeah, they should have lost to Boise. Barely surviving, barely surviving, barely surviving. Yeah. Now they're on the cusp of a Big Big 12 title. Minnesota, when they had their big year under P.J. Fleck, barely surviving, barely surviving, barely surviving. Vibing. One possession win, one possession win, one possession win. Then they look up. They're playing for the Big Ten West against Wisconsin last game of the year. Like, that's just kind of what the sport is sometimes, and that's why you always need to schedule like Kentucky schedules, in my opinion. It's going to create opportunities like that. Um, when you kind of go through it like they did this year, you had a great opportunity. It's just now we you peel back the onion a little bit, and it's just there's about five or six SEC teams right in the same tier as Kentucky. You got Georgia and Alabama, and then you got 
everyone else. And you're going to have like four, nine, and three, five, eight, and four teams. Yeah. Like half the, almost half the league, eight and four, nine and three. So yeah. that's like between 15 and 35 ranked. You're all right there. And so Kentucky gave themselves a chance. Right. And, you know, it, you felt like you let it slip away. Really, the Tennessee game is the one. That's the big one. But like I say, if you play in a lot of one position games, man, you're just going to have games where you don't get the call, yeah. you don't get the right bounce, or you, you know, you don't get the. Huge fourth down stop, huge third or fourth down conversion. And here's one thing that I think is important now. So there's this guy on Twitter. His stuff got he he had a thread that kind of went viral today, Joel Anderson. And it was in the fallout from Justin Fuente getting fired. He's getting a $10 million buy. And the number is Public schools are, have paid $46 million in buyouts to fired football coaches, and we aren't even at the end of the year. That excludes Southern Cal and TCU, who are private institutions. And the, the, part, the point that Anderson made was why – Someone's got to go five and seven. Like, I know what he was saying. Yeah, right. Like, like when did we get to the point that every program is just unhappy with when being everybody's- in the middle of the road? when the coordinator started making millions of dollars. And I think it's also coincides with the internet where your anger is much more amplified than what it was before. Like it used to be, there was this guy, I don't I no idea what this guy's name was, but when we would go to Kentucky games at Commonwealth stadium, section two twenty six, there was a guy that was always mad sitting in front of us, no matter what happened, everything stunk. Uh, you go down at halftime, you meet with, my dad's buddies in the concourse. And one of those guys was just always mad. And then you just kind of like, that guy's an idiot, you know, and you just move on to the next. Well, now those idiots are a little bit louder and they get to talk to each other and they have their own community of idiots that are just screaming mad that you aren't winning every game 70 to seven, you know? And, and I think that there's a, like, I, I, that has to play some part in it that, we can't just accept a 17-point SEC win on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's Tennessee. I mean, like, it's Tennessee. But in, in college football in general, though, like, I, there is a sense, like. The problem is, Nick, like, like if you could do it perfectly, you would just trade in some of those South Carolina-Missouri wins for more Tennessee wins. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You if it is, with- it's a totally different conversation. But it, it's the Tennessee thing. It just is that you've had – the better program, like going into 2016, Tennessee was like, it was like their breakthrough moment. All right. Butch Jones stacked some recruiting classes together. We've set it up. Florida's down. They got McElwain. and we don't think he's that good. It's our Georgia just hired Kirby smart, but we don't, you don't know about him. This is our time to go, go win some division titles, compete for a playoff bid. This is our time. They go out and you know what happens from there. They implode. They go through a messy coaching search, hire Pruitt. Pruitt has a mess, leaves it for them. 800 players leave from the transfer portal. During that time, Kentucky was just doing this steady build. And you look at the records, Kentucky's just been better than them over that time yeah. everywhere, but when they play head-to-head. And so I think that's that's a lot of it. People are really upset about that Tennessee game. You know, and then the lose of the way – I mean, we've seen – you know, you invent ways to lose to that team, it seems like. Um, just still Jeff Jamin's line who told me in the press box, but like 
it just there's always it's always something weird. Goal line stands, yeah, mm-hmm. overtimes, field goals blocked, um, run for 400 yards down there, but lose by 13. <laughs> this year, you know, they don't stop you the whole game and then stop you when they absolutely have to give up two 70 yard plays, which is so uncharacteristic of this defense and how they're built. You know, it's just like it's just head scratching, but that's just kind of the game, you know, football. And then there's also the uh, they haven't beaten on basketball a lot either here lately. Like, yeah, Tennessee yeah. kind of has Kentucky's number right now. You know, no one's really wants to bring that up, but and that's very frustrating for the fan base here. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm wondering if college football as a whole to the. I, I think that just folks are very happy with the climb. And they're okay with a dip or two, but it's the slowly dip. So, like at TCU, you know, Gary Patterson, legend there. He's got a statue of himself there. He makes country music videos um, while he's there. But they had been – it wasn't just a year or two. Like, it it was kind of meddling, and it wasn't really going anywhere. Um, You see yourself as become the hero, but if you stay long enough, eventually you're going to become the villain. Oh, man, there we go. It's it's movie like it there, dropping the Dark Knight lines. (laughs) Love it. So, like, with with Patterson, man, like, he he did not handle this name image likeness stuff well at all. And he had a bunch of put his foot in the mouth moments in the media. You know, so, like, like that, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would you fire the best coach in school history? Like, Louisville. Now, Petrino's a wholly different case, but, like, they were very quick to just go ahead and kick Bobby to the curb, even though he won a bunch of games for them. You know, it's just – but it's 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 a different sport now, man. There's so much more money to be had. Everybody has resources they think they should win, but like you said, somebody's got to go five and seven. Like, somebody's got to finish last in this – like, somebody's got to finish last in the SEC West. Like, not every team can go eight and four, nine and three. They're trying and to so this year, though. There's there's a six-way tie scenario. Non-conference scheduling is very important. You need, you know, if you're not cream of the crop, you probably need to make sure you're setting yourself up for wins. Um, but like, you know, I just I think it's part byproduct because you're right, you're right. Everybody has a voice, but also, man, the money is just. I mean, they're making a lot of money. Yeah, and and the thing is, is where like Neil, Neil where, Brown's entering a year next year where he's going to be on the hot seat. Like they're not going to a bowl game this year. He's going to be like one game over under 500 entering year four. You know, you got to have your breakthroughs. When you have a chance to break through, you really got to kick that door down. Kentucky and Stoops did that Went 10 to three in 2018. This will be another big, potentially 10, one year. If they can close it strong, you got to make those years count. Yeah. And the money thing, that's kind of uh cause it's Jimmy Sexton time of year. It's kind of what got Fuente in trouble and got things off to a rocky relationship there. Even though things weren't being great in general, yeah. that really set the tone. You're going to see something similar with Scott Satterfield where Louisville fans aren't used to this kind of middle-of-the-road Blaze, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's happening. It's an epidemic around college football, and I just don't know when administer mm-hmm. like when and they're going to – Cincinnati's going to face the same thing in six years. Why, what, when are just administrators going to quit – paying like quit agreeing to these stupid buyouts like <laughs> like yeah, why, why, why build those buyouts into the contract just pay them a lot of money but then not the buyout you're paying them easy to fire them yeah yeah i don't i don't i don't know i don't know 
Oh man, I don't, I don't get it. Jimmy, he created Jimmy Sexton created quite the hustle. I know that man. You, you know what my favorite hustle is though, like it, and it's not even a hustle because it's legal in most states, and it's a great way to be entertained while watching your favorite sporting events, and that's prospects. Because right now I've got my prospects app pulled up, and we've got Maxion tonight. Tolvito is in action, so that means I'm going Bryant Kobach under over 107 rushing yards. And then I'm really tempted, like it. I really want to keep riding the Oscar Shibway high. It, his line is 14 and a half rebounds, but I might have to fade the big O. He can still have a great night and get under 14 and a half boards, and I still catch money by using prize picks. If you download it today, download the app or just log in uh, online. You know, that's that's a very easy way to go as well. Log in. Use the promo code PERSONNEL, and you get to double your deposit. It's very simple. Download prospects. Have some fun today, right? It's Tuesday night. Let's have a party. If not, save it till Wednesday. There's Maxion on Wednesday. We've got football on Thursday. Scott and his tots will be playing Duke on Thursday uh, in the David Cutcliffe retirement game, potentially. So maybe you can fade Scott going back to his uh, hometown turf, or you can – uh, be all in on a Matt Ryan revenge game. Uh, whenever the Falcons play the Patriots Thursday night, there's a ton of potential when you play with prize picks. Um, I, hold up, I do want to see real quick. Do we have? We don't have Saturdays. A lot of yet. sports on the tube. Right it'd be now. No, it'd be nice if we could have a because we can get some some fun numbers for UK to put up Saturday in the first half. So just something to keep in mind. But get prize picks. Use the promo code personnel today. Man, there is a lot of sports on the tube bucket. Did you you've been watching any college basketball? Uh, I watched first half of UCLA, um, Villanova. That was that was too late for me. I was but outside of Kentucky. Late. That's and I watched uh, the end of the Louisville Furman game, the overtime. Oh yeah, you, you had to watch that. But that's high quality. Outside of that, that in Kentucky, I haven't like the first Champions Classic game. I maybe watched three, four possessions. Yeah, it was bad. I I did watch Illinois Marquette. Last night, that was a lot of fun. Big time atmosphere. I enjoyed it very much. Um, yeah. What are Gonzaga and Texas doing playing on a college? Well, both, even like, I don't know. Why are the, like, man, if, you know, that's fine, I guess. Three, three or four years ago, when I was more in, you know, staying up late like that, I probably would have been all in on that. But um, you're an old man now, though. You know, you're on the other side of 30. You know, unique scheduling going on there. <laughs> Um, but I'm uh, I'm excited to have a lot of sports on the tube. We've got feast week next week. We're gonna be feasting on sports on all sorts of food. Maui and Las Vegas. It's not. Why couldn't they just do it in Maui too? Like they're bringing the Vegas or the the Maui team to Vegas. <laughs> good for Tell them. Not. Yeah, good for yeah. them. But why, I don't know why they just don't go to Hawaii. Hawaii is in the. Like, I don't they're, know. They're a United I, State. Like this isn't. I'm not getting in that. <laughs> whatever <laughs> but egg bowl thursday next thursday nick dude that's gonna be, gonna be a very important egg bowl for kentucky yes please explain you wrote about this on ksr please explain essentially the sec could have a thing where they have kind of like six or seven teams ranked but only two in like the top 12 so you could have like Ole Miss, A&M, Kentucky, Mississippi State, 
in potentially Arkansas, like all kind of like just lumped together. So if that happens, you know, obviously Alabama's getting either a college football playoff or New Year's Six bid, but if SEC doesn't get another one, that drops them all down a tier. And so pretty much Citrus Bowl gets first pick outside of that. So they're going to take the top-ranked team. That's how it always works. They're going to take top-ranked team. It's going to be either Texas A&M or Ole Miss. Um, if Ole Miss loses to Mississippi State. Now, if they finish 10-2, and two, they're going to be inside the top 10. They're going to get a New Year's Six bid. Um, because why that's important, because then that, that's going to make A&M take the Citrus Bowl bid, and then Kentucky's going to be the next best available. They'll get the Outback Bowl. Haven't been in the Outback Bowl in 20-something years. Yada, yada, yada. But if that doesn't happen, Ole Miss probably going to go to the Citrus Bowl. A&M hasn't been to the Outback Bowl either since they've been in the league. And so Outback Bowl is probably going to pick them. A&M can't go to the Texas Bowl because they went there two years ago. So that takes away an automatic geographical location. It's going to drop Kentucky down. They're just going to send them to Nashville or Memphis. So you need 10-2 and two Ole Miss, long story short. 9-3 and three Ole Miss creates a ton of problems. Yeah. Because there's a lot of what like hurt us said, was this... if a and well if a and m would have just won it wouldn't have mattered on mm-hmm. Saturday, right? Because even if a and m got lost to LSU because they would have got the Citrus Bowl bid, mm-hmm. Ole Miss went to the Outback Bowl last year, so they wouldn't have taken them two years in a row. Kentucky would just went Outback Bowl in m- most of those scenarios. Now it's, it gets a little weird. Now it's a group of six, so they the bowls get the pick or whatever. But I'm I'm assuming Outback Bowl is going to take a and m over higher ranked a and m team over Kentucky if it came to that situation. So go hotty toddy, gosh almighty. <laughs> oh, and I, I did see too, that there's a scenario. I mean, like you talk about that cluster at the top, there is a scenario for a six way tie in the sec West. Now that includes Arkansas wins over Alabama, which I guess there's, you know, yeah, feasible. Like it, it it's possible. Um, a lot of good teams this year, man. I just, um, SEC, it just well, they had two top ten teams and then they are two top eight to ten teams, and they have probably six teams from eleven to thirty-five. And 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 here's the thing, you would say, oh, they got a lot of good teams, whereas some other person might say, oh, there's so many bad teams, nobody's good in the SEC. No, that's not it. It's not it. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it's not how this works. They've won a lot of football games. Um, like Ole Miss is a per like for Kentucky. Ole Miss is a perfect example. They just won their close games this year. Won at Tennessee when they easily could have lost. Arkansas, if they get the two-point conversion, or if they don't score 50 points against Arkansas, they lose. You know, you get blown out twice on the road on this against Auburn and Alabama, but yet you win all your close games. And they, you know, you could go 10-2. and two and You're going God. to the Sugar Bowl. Man, they've that's, been that's living. That's what has to happen in these kind of years. Kentucky just did – like the Tennessee game was it. Like – yeah. You win that one, and you're gonna have a really. You're probably gonna go to New Year's Six if you just Man. win that one. Ole Miss out. has really been skating on thin ice too with those close games. I mean, they couldn't get any closer. And then for Lane to show up and start picking games on game day, did 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 we ever hear what his record was? Was it did he did he do a good decent job of picking? I know up? he picked Tennessee. I'm assuming he picked Ole Miss, so it's one on one right there. <laughs> oh man. He's perfect for that place right now. But actually, I'm I'm, I'm wondering. The more if, he does stuff like that, Nick, the less of a candidate he becomes. Like elsewhere at these yeah. other, like you just can't like 
like, let's say I don't think he's really a top-notch candidate for LSU right now, but say he was and he did that, you just got – you can't – like, that's just a hard sell with some of these admins, man. You can't be doing stuff like that. You got to be more of a face. Oh, I know. You just, you know, walk the company line type thing. But that's why people love him. That's why mm-hmm. people love him. And he can get away with that at Ole Miss for as long as he wants to. Yeah, as long as he's not tweeting out pictures of Hugh Freeze in a hospital bed. He's good. But even if, he, like, a goal was him to get back to the NFL, that's like, like you can't do that stuff. You just can't. You know, if you want to be sideshow at Ole Miss, you know, have fun. But, like, very interested to see where his career goes from that. Because he could stay at Ole Miss. I mean, he's only 45, 46. He could be at Ole Miss for 15, 16 years. That's what's wild, man. He's been in our cultural – like we've been aware of Lane Kiffin for 15 years, and he still mm-hmm. could coach for 30 more. <laughs> and do you really think like the Mannings are going to send their their pride and joy? No, no, to go play for that no, guy. No, not a chance. Not a chance. Maybe uh, Eli's kid because Eli's a little goofier. But I don't know what like kind of what you see from like Cooper and Peyton being more like serious kind of people. I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it, man. No, no, don't, don't see it. Um, also, I love that P- there was a lot of a lot of our colleagues, you know, because Archie don't say anything. Like I think he's talked to our guy Chad Simmons once or twice, but yeah, you know, he's he, pretty protected. Yeah, and he he's he's a reserved kid in general. He doesn't do social media or anything like that. So, um, you know the we don't get a lot out of it. And a lot of people just pegged him to Texas because he had a good relationship with Sark at Alabama, but it's like, Oh, well, Texas stinks. They've lost five in a row. They lost to Kansas and those stupid helmets. Like, yeah, I don't know where he's going to go. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> Did you, I, I know I thought Clemson, pro- but then I feel like Clemson has a good shot. Cause I could see them eating up that Dabo sill, but you know, they're Clemson's in a weird spot right now, but I guess that could check if it was one bad year, they could just maybe get right back in the driver's seat. Oh man, and then obviously that, Alabama is gonna yeah, be a player there. Yeah, it's Alabama. Is he is he in Birmingham or is it outside? who Archie? Arch, yeah. Arch, he's in New Orleans. He is, why did I think he was in Alabama for some reason? Huh. Either way, New Orleans would be a nice spot, real nice spot to, yeah. L- Depending, depending LSU's coach, they would have a great chance, I would think. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Mark Stoops. Um, just yeah, so you're out safe. there. And also, that. Uh, like, if Mel Tucker were to get that job, why would he get Vince Merrow? Other than he supposedly got one of him at Michigan State. It would make sense at Michigan State because that's where Michigan State recruits is where Vince Merrow recruits. Merrow makes nearly double of what LSU's recruiting coordinator is making right now. And, and – Vince has gotten what a couple transfers from there, but he doesn't know people in Louisiana. If Mel Tucker is going well, to try to get a recruiter from Louisiana, I do think Vince has Louisiana like guy. some chameleon in him where he could just kind of blend in and go recruit anywhere. But what Kentucky's doing right now, what he's getting paid right now, it's top of the line for yep. for what his job. Yep, I mean it's it's top, it's great A. So like at these other schools, like you. You have to think if they have like if Mel just say Mel Tucker, he, Mel Tucker's got to go pay a defensive coordinator. He's got to go pay an offensive coordinator. That's a good chunk of over a million dollars. That's a good chunk of his salary pool. 
He's got to go find a good offensive line coach. And then you got to fill all the other positions. You're at Louisiana. You're going to be able to recruit there anyway. Are you really going to want to go pay a million dollars to a guy who's not like going to go in and own Louisiana recruiting, I would say, you know, Merrill, like he's got a great niche here. Mm-hmm. Fans know him. Love po- him. Yeah. Really popular. Mm-hmm. He does a great, like he's been great for Kentucky football. He's done a great job here. He's owning the state recruiting. And then he's doing his work in other areas where they'll pitch him out to go get transfers or to, you know, make some hay in Ohio. But like what Kentucky's what Kentucky what I'm getting at is what Kentucky has for him here is better. It's gonna be better probably than any other place he could go. Yeah, he's not gonna be the you know the most popular guy on the staff at LSU or blah 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 yada yada. But here he's got a niche. He's built up a following. He's a celebrity. He's got it pretty good here. Yeah. So uh, it would take a lot, is what I'm saying. Like it would take a big package and an offer, a big daddy offer for him to leave. And I just don't know if like, I don't know if that's going to, that that's realistic anywhere else, but here because of kind of the unique relationship he has with Kentucky and with Stoops and the geographic kind of built in thing he has here. It's been pretty good. It's been pretty good so far. Um, I, uh, I don't think Vince is going anywhere and he's Kentucky's going to finish with, if, if they, do what they should do. I think they can finish with a strong class. Hold on. They to get Keontae. Keontae. It's like no doubt a top fifteen class, maybe even top twelve. If they get Keontae and Barry and Brown, yeah. And then you throw in another couple, a four star two, in there at some point. Like it's like yeah, a, um, it's going to be Summerall. a national. It's going to be a big national talking point yeah. on December fifteenth if they can ha- make it happen. I mean, it's going to be huge. Part of it is finishing with two wins, winning out getting a nice Florida bowl game to go to and then sealing the deal. Uh, our boy Summerall is working on Kobe Albert, the Auburn commitment too. Um, uh, Josh Josephs was up here for a visit. That feels like more of a pipe dream, uh, but he's out there, you know, so. Hold on still to Fierbury, a couple of big I think the big Tyrese Fierbury has kind of gotten quiet. That always felt like some, someone's going to make a run at him late. Can they hold on um, the edge out of Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. But overall, right now, it's just you got to let the cake bake, let this last month play out. There's mm-hmm. going to be surprises. There always are, um, both potentially good and bad. Yep. Try to hold get, on to the Mississippi Juco. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's get tough, Keontae so. on campus in December. You should have a decent shot at getting him. Um, but if you don't, there is going to be sour taste in the mouth. Even if you finish with like a top 25 class that, you know, you miss out on him and Wagner, that's really tough. But you get him, I think everything's fine. But yep. A lot of time, a lot of, lot of, lot of time left, and recruiting can get crazy. But they're in, they're in a good shape. Most guys are solid, so just gotta yeah. see how it plays out. Yep, you gotta finish strong, keep winning on the football field, beat the hell out of Louisville, and then nobody even remembers the subpar second half of Vanderbilt. Nobody. Be yeah, like every I, other game down at Vanderbilt. Yeah, you know I always say remember November, but like you go and beat Louisville, no one's gonna care. That's why I said the Mississippi State game. No, you to beat Tennessee, no one would care. Yep. You look up, oh, well, they lost to a you know, good Mississippi State team by two touchdowns on the road. Yep. You go out and you win these last two games, bring home the Governor's Cup, no one's going to care. It's not a good class. You're all – everybody's talking about next year at that point. Yeah, I'm, I am excited for 
senior day though it'll be fun it's just it's a a worry-free stress-free day at the Krogue, the final one of the year i can't believe it's already here like it it's just time flying by right before our eyes it felt like we were just getting hyped up for that lsu game and it's a sprint not a marathon that's for sure kind of stunned at what was happening and then all of a sudden boom last home game of the year is here uh the senior day ceremony is gonna be taking place i don't know 30 20 minutes or so before kickoff at about 11 40 so and then carousel season baby it's already started it's crazy. carousel season it's so we're gonna have a lot to cover once the season's over can't wait oh man yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun and uh hope y'all have fun playing with some prize picks use that cr- promo code personnel have fun watching some action this week a little thursday night football a little kentucky basketball and uh go cats beat the aggies we'll see y'all next week on 11 personnel and uh Yeah, go Cats, go Kroger. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.